In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, How Information Security Professionals Should Interact with the Media, Part 2. Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring How Information Security Professionals Should Interact with the Media, Part 2. We are continuing our discussion with journalist Steve Reagan of CSO. What is the difference between interacting with a video journalist and someone who's more of a written word journalist? A video journalist, a print journalist like Trade Magazine, um, a print journalist like a newspaper, a blogger, um, somebody who just has curation things and they, they do social media outreach on like LinkedIn or Facebook or things things like that, all of these people are journalists. And when you're talking to them, you have to maintain that, that buffer. You have to realize you're talking to a journalist. The only difference is print journalists and photojournalists and you know, like news anchors on TV, we have a different set of standards that we're held to that curators and bloggers are not. Now, some bloggers do choose to follow journalism ethics, and that's great. But to whereas if I violate ethics, I risk losing my job, a blogger might lose a follower. Does that make sense? Yep. Absolutely. So I have real-world consequences for violating standards and practices, to whereas a video journalist or a blogger might not. So you have to know the difference between the two. But again, you do that from knowing who it is you're talking to ahead of time. But at its base, between the two of them, there's no difference. They're both journalists, and you, you need to respect it. Okay. Is there, uh, is there something people can do if, if something is incorrectly printed or posted online in a video format? Well, when it gets posted in a video format, you kind of have to reach out to the – I would reach out to the journalist first and see if there's a way that it could be corrected in editing. But for video – I mean, I guess it really depends. If the video segment is long live, meaning it's stored on YouTube and it could be seen a million million times a minute, or if it was just part of a daily news cycle, it aired twice, and that's the only time that footage is ever going to be seen again, weigh your options. Is it worth trying to get a correction made? If it is, then your first step would be to talk to the journalist and see what the options are. Explain your side of the story. Don't be mean or belligerent about it. Don't come off like you're angry, even if you are. Stay very polite, very calm, and talk to the journalist and see where you can go to get that correction made. Sometimes for video, that means it's a reshoot. Sometimes it means it's a different editing. Sometimes it means that they put like a little blurb or a, a box on the video that corrects the record while the error is being played. I mean, there's a couple of different ways that that can be dealt with, but it's really going to depend on the journalist and their editor. And ultimately, the, the publication. You'd have to go through those channels. But I would start with the journalist first. If that gets you nowhere, then you'll have to go talk to their editor. But I would avoid calling them out in public. And I would avoid trying to make a big stink about it. You know, Again, it depends on how long lived the, the video piece is going to be. Print media is almost the same way, dealing with corrections, misquotes, and things like that. Start by talking to a reporter. Be calm. Be polite. 
And you could be seething with rage, but when you reach out to that reporter, be nice. Because the last thing you want is for a follow-up story to be how you tried to bully them to change the record after the fact. It's happened. But then again, if you did your interview via email, you've got a record of everything you've said. You know, I, I explained earlier that inter- email interviews are great for me because I have a full log of everything that transpired between us. Well, that goes both ways. So do you. And if I misquote you or if I take something out of context and I try to make you look bad in print, you have the official record. And you can come to me and say, Steve, that's not what I said. I said this. You have it right there. And if I refuse to change it, you can go to my boss and say, listen, here's what's going on. If it got to the point to where you went to my boss, I can almost tell you I'm probably going to lose. But again, it's, I'm not going to lose my job because I made a mistake. It's easier to correct the record by talking to you first and not get the editors involved. But at the same time, if you're not getting any help or any traction with that journalist and you have to go to their, their editors, then you have the record right there in email so you can usually get things taken care of pretty quick but you just have to keep going up the chain but again stay calm stay cordial you know don't lose your cool and just just go back and forth and you you really don't want to call them out in public going public doesn't really make anybody look good and if what you're trying to call them out on in any way makes you look bad drawing attention to it only makes the issue larger so if you're trying to hide like a, a an embarrassing statement you made, like, hey, listen, we had an agreement that, you know, that part of the conversation was on background, but you've got it quoted and attributed to me. So, you know, why is that in there? If you're not wanting to bring attention to that, you probably shouldn't call somebody out on it in public because everybody's gonna go read it. Drama feeds drama. So <laughs> you're 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 gonna have that out. And now that I think about it, um it reminds me, uh, you, you and I were talking briefly about this uh, earlier. There was conversations going on. Um, on background is a type of conversation between you and a journalist that means what you and I talk about, I won't quote or attribute to you, but I might use it. So if on background you were to tell me that working for the state government's the best thing you've ever done, I wouldn't attribute that to you, but I would say that experts I've spoken to have said that working for the state government's the best thing they've ever done. It's very, very valid use of, of that type of conversation. Um, of course, on the record means I'm quoting you. I'm going to put your name next to it. I'll put your picture next to it. You know, I mean, everybody's going to know that it's you that said this. And then, of course, there's off the record. Off the record exists, and it doesn't. You should never assume anything you say is off the record. Never. You should always assume that what you're saying will be used on the record, even if you're told it's off the record. But here's why off the record's important. If you have a good relationship with the journalist, you can say anything you want to them and trust that it's going to be off the record. But you have to have that relationship first. And another thing you have to remember is, even if you do have a relationship with a journalist, you can't tell them something and then immediately say, that's off the record. <laughs> you can't do that. That's, that's just not how that game is played. If you're talking to a journalist and you know you're talking to a journalist and you want to have a conversation with them, you could just look them and say, hey, we're off the record here. And then be choosy about what you're saying because, again, you know, unless you're talking to your bestie, you have to assume that what you're saying could be used on the record or at the very least used on background. You have to assume that. 
And that's why, you know, journalists are a pretty lonely bunch when we're out traveling around because, you know, nobody knows what they can say to us and when. It's just you kind of accept that. I mean, we have our friends and that's that's a very good thing. Otherwise, I'd just be living out of a suitcase in a hotel room lonely all year long. <laughs> I'm serious, man. It's just <laughs> I mean, it could, it could get pretty lonely when you're at a show and you know, everybody's like, "Oh, look at the bright pink badge. That's a journalist. Let's just avoid them." Yeah. Come along, children. Over here, we'll go to the bar. <laughs> and you know, off they go. <laughs> you just kind of have to you have to accept that. I mean, that right. comes with the job. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to mention before we wrap up here? Don't be afraid to talk to the media. You know, they're not going to be your best friends, but they're not your enemy. I mean, for a lot of researchers in particular, believe it or not, you share some of the same goals with the media that you, you know, you, 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 we're more alike than we are different. We want to inform the public. We want to make sure that they get accurate information quickly and they get it presented to them in a way that they can understand it with as little sensationalism as possible. The problem is when you look at security in the media as it is today, it's more sensationalized than anything else. Or you could argue it's as sensationalized as everything else. Don't let that stop you from working and presenting your work for the record. Take your time and look at the reporters who are writing in security and get to know them. Learn who has a good reputation, who is you know, intelligent enough to understand what you're doing, and just reach out to them and talk to them. No reporter is going to refuse a conversation with a potential source. None of them. So don't be afraid to make that first contact. I mean... But again, if you have the advantage of working somewhere where there is a communications team in place or you have a, a PR firm at your disposal or even just a friend that works in PR that can answer questions, take advantage of that. You know, The more information you have, the better armed you are against dealing with the media, the better off you're going to be in the long run. But I guess my bottom line is don't be afraid to talk to the press. We're not... We're not vampires. We're not going to suck you dry for news and then leave you in the, the gutter. That's just not the way we work. Good. That's great. I, I, I like that. All right. Uh, so that's a good point to end on. Um, Steve Reagan is on Twitter at Steve D3. And he also writes for CSO online. Anything else you'd like to plug? Well, we have a little podcast, Southern Fried Security Podcast. That's always fun. Yeah. I'm not a Skype newbie. I, I, I actually only use Skype for the podcast now, yours and then ours. That's weird. <laughs> funny, Actually, funny story about the Skype thing. So my Skype got hacked while I was in Vegas, and I didn't even know it because I don't use it. And I went to try and recover my Skype account, and I'm just like, it's wanting all this personal information from me. And I'm just like, yeah, whatever. So I put out this big broadcast on Twitter. I'm like, if you follow me on Skype, just unfollow me and block that account, please. Thank you. Because it wasn't even worth trying to recover at that point. Because I only used it for the podcast. And everybody that happened to have been added to that particular account, they're all security researchers. And so what do these numbskulls do? <laughs> they send everybody on my list like this this link of like you know like some scam hotel thing. So immediately uh, I get notified by of all people Brian Krebs. He's like, "Hey, your Skype's been hacked." <laughs> like, great, <laughs> that's just awesome. I too have been notified by a breach from Krebs. So and then my <laughs> other friends, they're they're like sending me like. 
I'm getting uh, cuckoo reports and I'm getting like PCAPs and they're just they're sending me all, all this data from the scammers that are trying to attack my account. And I'm just like, you had no idea the people you were targeting today. You poor little bot. They must have they must have hit journalists because j- yesterday I had another journalist send me a link for some website in China and I, I DM'd him on Twitter. I was like, hey, dude, did you know, why are you sending me random links? And he's like, oh, crap. He had to like change his oh, yeah, yeah. Believe, Journalists get targeted a lot. Um, where I work right now, uh, I get, and our, 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 email, our email catches a lot of this stuff, so I only see it when I actually bother to look at the spam box, but I've gotten quite a few uh, social engineering, I, I guess I should say socially based attacks that will range anywhere from direct phishing, malicious attachments. Um, my favorite is when I see them attempt to use uh, booby-trapped files to exploit various Windows vulnerabilities. And that's extremely amusing to me for one reason that I just won't state publicly, but it, it becomes crystal clear what they're trying to do the minute you open that particular file and to just watch it die right in front of you is hilarious <laughs> just anyway. hilarious it's like you just want to clap your hands and say that was a good effort it <laughs> might have worked somewhere else but not here yeah. and is i'm probably one of a few reporters who actually do this but given what i deal with on a regular basis my paranoia just kind of has to stay at a certain level mm-hmm. Like I, I could tell you right now that most people who send me PDF attachments, I've never read them. Never <laughs> I just don't. I don't so, read them. I mean, it's, so you just have a so you just have a rule for any PDF attachments, just straight to the trash. So one day I tried to hex edit a PDF just, just to see if I'd be able to read it that way, and oddly enough, it worked to a small degree. And I was like, well, at least I can get, get the <laughs> headers out. Maybe that'll help me. But yeah, I don't even. I, I just I don't I don't open them. Uh, I have a, a rule on Outlook. Actually, my entire mailbox is focused on rules and uh, attachments go to a specific folder marked Death Trap. (laughs) And if you end up in that folder, your message is probably never going to be seen. It's auto-deleted every 30 days. Read, unread, doesn't matter. All files go away. I just don't trust them. I mean, I, I can't. And and it's it's really comical because you know nine out of ten you'll press releases come in PDF press releases come in Word and you just have to roll with the punches. But yeah, watching watching some of these Windows exploits just die on screen are hilarious. Yeah. And I'm not a Mac user if that's what you're thinking. No, no. can't stand Macintosh. But I, I, I was just, actually I was thinking the other one. Yeah, it's partly the other one. There's yeah. it's a hybrid thing going on. But yeah, that's. And it's really comical because, like, every day, you know, I, I look at it and I'm just like, blink, blink, <laughs> blink. <laughs> we had some trouble with uh, the Syrian electronic army like a year ago. Uh, that was yeah. I wrote about that. It pissed them off so bad. It was hilarious because they were – I called him out on uh, Twitter. I was like, you and the B team, you guys failed. <laughs> and they were like, we're the A team. There's no B team. I'm like, you're a B team. You can't even get in. You suck. It's okay. And they tried. I'll give them credit. They really tried. They, they, they sent a very convincing phishing email that, again, probably would have worked except for the fact that I – 
don't trust people that I don't have a relationship for. Right. So I'm not following the link. I'm not opening this attachment. I'm not going to answer any questions for you. You can answer questions for me all day long, but that's about it. And I've successfully turned my teammates into paranoid people too. <laughs> so now when they get a questionable email, they just forward it to me. <laughs> and it's, it's awesome because, you know, now I get these emails and it's story fodder for me. Right. And it's, it's comical because even when my own team emails me, I, I still don't trust them. That, that tells you a lot, you know, like my boss will send me an email and I have a link in it. Nope. And, until the VM's completely active, I don't even open the link. <laughs> and, and, you know, somebody's like, you know, but that's your boss. How could you do that? I'm like, if my boss needed me directly, my boss can call my house. Right. Well, and that's, you know, that, seriously. That's, I mean, that's, <laughs> we, we were talking about extortion before this, and that's how a lot of extortion is happening is people are getting emails from their boss to go do this thing. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's one of the leverage points in social engineering is you take the, the place of authority and yep. you usually leverage that to, you know, there's a severe repercussion if you don't do what I'm, I'm telling you, which could be your job, it could be poor performance, you know, what have you. And, and uh, you, you, you instill that little bit of fear and it usually gets them to do what they want. Uh, we just wrote a story uh, not too long ago. A business partner of a company got fished and they used that fishing to drain the the actual victim of funds got them to transfer their money and their insurance provider refused to pay the, the policy because the policy was for them getting hacked, not mm-hmm. their business partner. Right. And everybody's like, well, that's wrong. And I'm like, no, that's genius in legal wording. That's amazing mm-hmm. because that's exactly what, I mean, you really have to pay attention nowadays when you're watching, you know, when you're doing like, Cyber, I hate this word, cyber insurance, <laughs> dirty. <laughs> but when you, you do that, you have to pay attention to the wording because, I mean, socially based attacks now come from every direction. And if you're not careful, you know, you can have the best awareness policy in the world on your network. But the minute, you know, little Timmy got hacked at Starbucks and plugged his laptop into your network, you're done. And you weren't even thinking of Timmy at the time the policy was written. And yet, <laughs> Your insurance companies would be like, no, we're not. Yeah, yeah. And that'd be the end of it. <laughs> yep. Well, it's good. I like this, sir. It's a nice little, some, nice little bonus material for, for, uh, for journalist OPSEC. We might have to have another episode on that one in some of the stories. That, uh, oh, that man, had. we'd be talking for hours. <laughs> well, man, oh, the time. stories I could tell you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining me to discuss how how InfoSec professionals should interact with the media. I really appreciate it. All right, man. You have a good night. And that will do it. Hopefully, you learned something. If you didn't, drop me a line on Twitter at Timothy D Block or email me at Timothy at Gmail and let me know what you didn't learn, and we'll try to cover it in a future podcast. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash E-I-S. If you enjoyed the show, share it with others and rate it on iTunes so it can reach others trying to explore information security. Have a good one.